is Kevin Pruitt with another edition of Clear Waters Podcast. And our guest today is Taylor Shanklin from the beautiful mountains of North Carolina. Taylor, thanks for joining Nick and I on Clear Waters. Hey, guys. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. So share a little bit. I mean, I, I always ask the guests to do this because I, I know the guest will do an infinitely better job than I would to kind of introduce and give a really quick background, but just kind of lay the groundwork for our listeners on who is Taylor Shanklin. Good question. Um, let's see. Well, I am a nonprofit technology nerd by trade and by day. I am an adventure seeker, creative, modern day marketing philosopher by night and early mornings, I guess. Um, I, I, I guess what I mean by that is I'm kind of into a lot of things. So I, I specifically work in the nonprofit sector. I uh, lead growth at an agency called Firefly Partners. But um, I also run my own podcast. I moved to the mountains of North Carolina from Texas to start a real estate venture here uh, after coming here to ski one season, uh, one, one Christmas you know, ski season. I was up here with my family. I lived in Austin at the time and we came to ski and my husband um, was like all geared up and ready to go. And I said, how about we go look at this house instead? It's right on the ski slopes. And I think maybe I want to buy it. And then we decided to buy it and we decided to move here and start a like little real estate venture. So I just, um, I don't know. I kind of like to try try new things a lot. I like to travel a lot, and I like to sort of like to get my hands dirty and then figure out like what works and what doesn't work. <laughs> what a what a great description. I mean, it is obviously a classic boring underachiever, Nick. I mean, we, we've had Taylor on here. I mean, she obviously has is just always stuck in the middle of the road and and never is has no tolerance for risk and and just kind of jumping out there, but. I, I did want to bring my my co-host Nick Petros in as well. Nick and I get to have the pleasure of doing this this podcast, and uh, Nick introduced me to Taylor probably last year, and it has been a rocket ship since then. I mean, she's she's really hard to keep up with on LinkedIn, especially because she is extremely active and extremely well connected in the in the nonprofit space and. I love the description of being that kind of the nonprofit tech nerd. And then I was looking for your, your cape, your superhero cape kind of flowing out the back. I mean, based on that description, but um, Taylor, I'd, we'd love to just hear a story of, of our guest and just kind of lay the groundwork. I mean, we talked about just, you know, clear waters. I mean, the whole basic premise behind clear waters is, is really um, finding clarity in an otherwise murky world. And, we'd love for our guests just to kind of share a story and maybe how clarity can kind of be interwoven into that or maybe lack of clarity. So, so tell us what you got on your mind. Well, it's funny. I mean, it's a good question. You know, it's, it's funny. Sometimes as I tell my story, I'm like, I really sound like a crazy person that just like tries <laughs> things without thinking. <laughs> and <laughs> maybe that's a little bit true. Um, I think, you know, I'll, I'll share the story of moving here and, you know, like finding this place that we loved, deciding, well, you know, we love Austin. We lived in Austin and I grew up there, um, but 
life is short and we should try different things and we should live in different places. And so we were like, let's just try this place for a little while. And we also moved there knowing like, we're not going to live here forever. We're going to probably want to go live in France one day or like some other place. And we moved here, we found the place, we found the house, you know, we researched the schools for my kids to go to. We researched exactly what day ski season starts and where to buy all of our ski gear from and everything like that. But the one little bit of information that I didn't research was the fact that internet in the mountains is not always the best. And I work from home and I lead a team working from home and internet and I run a podcast. I do all of these things that require really good internet connection and so that's been a quite frankly like a big challenge for me is like I uh, you know I tell people I'm like all I went for Christmas in 2020 is good internet and despite the fact that I pay for the best internet that you can actually buy it just hasn't been good and so I have to roll with the punches a lot um COVID has been harder because I can't go to coffee shops and work in coffee shops anymore so I've learned to be agile and to do a lot of work from my cell phone um, as needed. Uh, I just love the basic premise. Yeah, go ahead, Nick. Yeah, it's it's funny how some of those things tend to sneak up on you. Uh, You know, in in real life, so happens to me all the time with things I won't share here because they're embarrassing. Uh, But uh, no, things that that you assume are going to be there because they're everywhere, like the internet. Like we don't go anywhere without there being internet. It's super fast on our phone, so we just assume it is everywhere. Um, and then surprise, it's not. I, it was the same thing whenever I move, and um, the last three places I've lived have been in the city of Boston. Um, but there's always like a day of panic where I can't get online in my house because I just assume that it's going to be there. I didn't plan for cable to be there early. And I think to um, to relay that back to business, um, you know, that happens all the time in like basic operations. Uh, like planning out a project, right? Um, you'll assume that basic, basic things like like having a logo from the partner that we need to build whatever we're building for on hand. Oh yeah, of course we've got that. This is a partner. Um, but you get down to the deadline and you're looking at a preview and the logo is not in the actual content that you're producing. Surprise. Um, you know, I think some of that stuff slips through the cracks all the time and it's, um, it's critical, I guess, to, to find a way to keep it in focus. So little things like the internet are top of mind uh, when you need them. I mean, the, well, it's the, funny how you get a lot of the little details sometimes, but not the big details like that because <laughs> of the exact word that you said, because of assumptions, you know, and you just assume it to be there. I think what's interesting about this year in particular is there's a lot that we've always assumed to be true that we very quickly learned like can be taken away, you know, very swiftly. And I think that that needs to be parlayed into the way that we think about business and projects that we undergo and clients we take on, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I think one thing that, that you mentioned really early, Taylor, was the, the idea that, that uh, you know, you're kind of in the tech space for nonprofits and, one thing I think that that would be a difficulty with uh, with just being in the tech space in any in any industry is just the how rapidly tech changes and how you know you're if you are if you are planning for today's equipment it's almost obsolete you know you almost need to be thinking about 
how am I, am I strategizing for tomorrow versus the, you know, the current issue? Like, you know, you're, you're thinking about, I mean, Hey, I bought, I bought, you know, fiber optic internet. I mean, that may mean different things in different places that may, you know, you may have different expectations and you think it's a common definition across, you know, across the board, but it may, it may truly mean different things. And so how do you, how do you kind of help your clients? I mean, even, you know, think through this, like it's not a static, you know, picture, it's a dynamic movie that we're actually trying to, trying to work through. Yeah, I, God, that's a good question. It's particularly challenging in the nonprofit space because they often don't have the funding to invest in technology in the way that we think of investment in the for-profit space. And a lot do. There are a lot of large organizations that have plenty of funding and they do great. And we work with some of those organizations, but we also work with some who are on a very lean budget. Um, I, I like to look at nonprofit life and startup life in very much the same way. And I, I live in both. And so one of the things that I, I help our clients think about is, you know, this idea of, and this is sort of like a mantra that I have is launched is better than perfect. And so when you're in this lean mode, you have to get over this fear of, you know, well, we can't launch it if it's not perfect, right? At some point, you have to sometimes just try a thing. Um, and I think you learn that in the startup world. And I think that that is very true in the nonprofit space as well. What's hard is that oftentimes, the person that's living in the startup world, like they're less risk averse, they're, they're the startup, they're obviously trying something new and different. And the nonprofit mindset is often one of scarcity, where you have to, like get board approval for everything, you know, and like go through all of these, like, well, we don't want our donors to think we're spending too much money investing in technology. And one of the things that I've learned over the years, because I started this career in 2007 when it was sort of early on we were really building marketing automation specific for nonprofits it's basically the same as marketo or hubspot or salesforce or something like that but essentially does it in their way because they have a little bit of different ways of running the business um is that you just have to kind of get over that fear and try some things and maybe try one thing first and then build upon that a little bit more I don't know if that answers your question it was a little bit no, about, but I think there's all of these parallels that are interesting that I try to bring in from that for-profit mindset into that space. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do love the, the way you, you kind of touched on that. And I'm, and I'm thinking, especially with COVID, like, you know, all nonprofits are kind of facing a, a new reality of, of, you know, donations being down and, and, you know, donor, quantity and quality, you know, of, of donations are probably down. And so they may be even more averse to change the, the technological structure or the, or the, the infrastructure of where they are. But uh, Nick, I'm, I'm curious, I mean, speak into that from a, from a for-profit standpoint. I mean, there can be virtually the same issue. It's just, I mean, she, she kind of touched on that from a nonprofit side, but from a for-profit side, I mean, how do you, how do you keep up with this constant, 
rapidly changing technological demand, you know, on companies, especially in a startup space. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, no one keeps up with Taylor, so we don't really try. Um, <laughs> But no, I think she, she explained it a little better than I do. Um, I'll, I'll make it a little more direct. Like, I think the, the value of what you learn from trying things often outweighs um, the perceived benefit of getting it right. Um, because, you know, realistically speaking, you don't know how it's going to do. Um, so, you, you know, at some point, you don't know if getting it right is really just to make you happy um, or if it's um, something that will actually teach you a little bit more about your organization or your business. Um, so I think oftentimes uh, that's where small companies or, or smaller organizations tend to outmaneuver big ones. A huge advantage for startups, just that they can test things really fast. They can learn a whole lot that it would take a larger organization months in approval to actually even think about executing. Um, but I, I, I want to put that one back to you. I think you've got a little experience in the nonprofit space too, right? Sure. How, uh, how do bigger organizations think about this sort of thing? Well, Taylor touched on something really interesting. It's like how you spend dollars is, is um, you're really concerned about the perception of how you spend dollars. And it's not just the technological side, it's really the administrative side of things, like how much of every dollar that's received goes to admin. You know, that is a, that's a huge metric in the, in the nonprofit space. And you know, technology is a large piece of that. But I mean, it's also, you know, how many people you hire, you know, what your office looks like. I mean, where the location is. I mean, it is, it is so, uh, you know, appearance or perception dependent. And, and you, you almost want to, you know, poor mouth or, you know, play the, you know, where it's like, <laughs> let's, let's show these dogs that are starving in rain, you know, to get people to give money toward, you know, saving, you know, adopting pets or whatever that that perception and that i guess that that overtone is is so true in the nonprofit world broadly but on the flip side the the way people give is shifting rapidly too so you have to be adaptable there are some large nonprofits that are really going to get left in the in the the dust so to speak if they do not adapt on a technological side on technological side Taylor would you agree with that 100%. And what's interesting and actually exciting for me at this moment in time is the push for digital has rapidly just like sped up because organizations who are used to do raising all of their money through one gala or all of their money through yep. mail, they're now having to suddenly, yes, in the year 2020, oh, I guess I should do this digital thing. Mm -hmm. And they're being forced to do it. And I think the ones who are adapting to it and who are just embracing it are actually raising a lot of money, even though like we're not in a great economic period in the world, right? Um, we have an organization that I'm working with right now on how to adapt their messaging around an event that used to be in person and it's now virtual. And so we're coming up with this plan to like how to actually create an engaging virtual experience that still makes their community feel like they're together and that they're unified and it's different and they wouldn't have done that before. And now they're doing that. And they're, I mean, I'm not going to say they're happy about doing it. It's not like great, but at the same time, I think there's other 
technological um, adaptation that's happening because of this. And I think in the long run, it will be a good thing. I think the, the most important thing, right, is that they must have fast internet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. The, yeah, the nonprofits in the mountains are definitely getting left behind. <laughs> you know, like, I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. You know what's, what's crazy, guys, about going back to that story is I mean, I'm going to add a, leather, a, a level of like funny minutia detail to the story is I've lived since moving to North Carolina from Texas to North Carolina. I've actually already lived in three different cities within the state. So we first moved to Chapel Hill and then we moved to the mountains like we actually decided to go live exactly where we wanted to build the property business. And now I'm in Asheville, which is 90 minutes from where I was in the mountains. And none of them have had good internet. None of them. So it's a statewide issue. <laughs> and you can't even blame COVID. That's right. I mean, yeah, it's, it I was pre-COVID. Yeah, it was pre-COVID. I mean, I started having issues last June when I was living in Chapel Hill and um, just, you know, it would be like three o'clock. I'd be in a meeting and it, the internet would just go out and it would say, see you later. Bye. <laughs> well, as we're kind of landing the plane here, I, I really want you to kind of, kind of tie things together in a, in a nice, neat little bow for us. I mean, you know, you talked about the difficulties of, of, you know, the internet and then we kind of, shifted into the really the nonprofit space but you know as we're as we're talking about kind of the issue of clarity um what is what is like one thing that that you really try to drill down on with your clients as you're working with nonprofits that that would really kind of move the needle in a in kind of a rapidly changing world i mean you guys have have talked about you know being agile you talked about being adaptable um, I mean, what is, what is one thing that you would really kind of focus on that, that would help, you know, listeners that might, might be in a similar space to, to really take that next step to, to, you know, really achieving a little more clarity in their, in their particular case? Yeah, I think that you need to be okay with the fact that you're not going to be great at everything. So, in a moment of adaptability and finding clarity at what actually is going to work the most for you, for your business, for your organization, for whatever goal you're trying to get at, you have to try things to then figure out what's the thing I need to zero in on, right? And then I really go after that and I have to start dropping other things that aren't going to facilitate me getting to that goal. And that's something that I really had to learn in my personal life, my work life, how I coach clients um, is really just finding that level of focus and being okay with like, it's not humanly possible to be great at everything or to do all of the things. So you got to find out what you're good at surround yourself with people who are good at the things you're not good at. That's why I like Nick and he's in my life. He's good at things I'm not good at. And Absolutely. sometimes I ask him for his help and, you know, then I can focus on what I'm really good at, you know? And so I think that's important both personally and professionally. Nick, walk us out. What's uh, what's a takeaway that, that you can leave us with? Yeah, no. So I'm, I'm just paraphrasing what I think I heard Taylor say, but I think, um, 
clarity is not just in your tactics. It can also be in your outcomes. Mm. So if you're aligned and you're clear on what you're trying to do, there might be many ways to get there. And sometimes you just got to do them uh, as long as you're aligned on what you're expecting to come back. Guys, it is, uh, it's like a masterclass when I get to, to sit with you guys and, and just kind of pick your brains and, and, and listen and just ask questions and then sit back and, and drink my Dr. Pepper while you guys are, are waxing eloquent on the, the issues that you deal with. But um, I really appreciate you just taking the time today and, and just sharing with us a, a kind of a funny story, but really tying it into a, to a pretty serious issue about just um, in, a, in a pretty rocky world that we, we're walking in right now. How do you find those those foundational steps? You know, how do you find your footing um, in a in a nonprofit space in a for-profit space? And really, just how do you find clarity in an otherwise murky world? Taylor, thanks again for joining us.